I'm Claire Liu, and I'm the CEO of Know Your Team. We make software that helps you avoid becoming a bad boss. And I have the absolute privilege today to welcome today on the heartbeat an incredible boss. So I have Ritu Barkov, who is the SVP of engineering at Salesforce, an organization that I'm sure everyone who's listening knows of. They have over 29,000 employees. And I actually learned that uh, Ritu's team alone has over, I believe, 200 people. And so, uh, which is larger, I think, than many of our companies in some ways. And so I happened to, to meet Ritu we both sat on on a panel earlier this year here in San Francisco. And once we got to chatting, I realized I had to have her on the podcast. So an absolute honor to have you here today, Ritu. And total aside, I learned that you were on the U.S. cricket team. I just feel like I really need to, to mention this to everyone. <laughs> That's true. It, it is true. And in the, in the, uh, I learned that the U.S. cricket tournament is going on right now at World Cup. If you weren't impre- impressive enough, we have that to add to the list. But I'm not here to talk about cricket today, unfortunately. The thing I wanted to ask you, Ritu, was this one question that I've been asking leaders who I respect and admire. Here we go. You ready? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> so the question that I've got for you is... What's one thing, or it could be several things, that you wish you would have learned earlier as a leader? There have been a lot of learnings around, you know, the 20 years that I've been working. Each of them have come at a time when I was ready to either take on a project or it was just something that gave me big butterflies in my stomach. And it wasn't in that moment, but it happened when either I failed or I failed miserably. So, and so I would say the biggest thing so far is uh, when to say no. Hmm. And so I wish I learned that before because, you know, you want to impress and you want to say yes to everything and you want to overcommit and perhaps even over deliver. And usually I've just learned that if I say no more, I can focus on fewer things and do them really well. When I do that, yes. I have found that people will, for example, you're on a project And people are like, I want this and this and this. And usually as leaders, we get overwhelmed by the 10 requirements of a big project. And then I've learned that if I said no to five things, and you have to be careful, right? You can't say no to everything, but what are those things that, you know, you can live without or perhaps will not kill you. (laughs) And so when I said no to those things, it helped me in focusing on things that I could spend more time on and do a really good job. Mm -hmm. And so if you were to look at literally every year or every two years, I've got a big project, be it at Oracle or Salesforce, which was very customer-facing, a big product launch, uh, a big Cleanforce launch. If you were to go and ask, what was that one thing that I delivered, people would know, okay, this is the year that Ritu did this, or this was the year that, and that was because I could say, I said no to like five other things. Hmm, That's so interesting. I find this actually to be a really, really sharp insight, even though it sounds obvious on the surface, right? Oh, yeah, say no more than you say. Yeah. It's like, oh, right. I feel like, you know, for many of us as leaders, we're like, oh, duh. Yet do we do that in practice? <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's really hard to do. And what I really loved of what you shared is at that at the end here of thinking about like the one thing that you are really proud of and that that's actually the culmination of 
not sort of taking on too much, but actually saying no to a lot of things. Is there a specific project that comes to mind where, or, or, or a year, Ritu, where you were like, I finally sort of did it right? Or I finally kind of like gave myself – what is it too? Um, this yeah. is a, f- a few yeah. questions here. Like, is it courage to yourself? Like, how, how is it also that you sort of figure out how to, how to put a foot down and say no? And I think a lot of it also comes from the credibility or the work that you have done leading on to when you can start saying no. Because early on in my career, hmm. I didn't have yeah. that that leverage or the courage or like yeah. people to just say, who are you to say no to me, you know? And starting on, you have to serve the time. You have to absolutely serve the time. Hmm. You have to put in the hard work. I have personally, like no one, no one looks at you at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. when you're the, perhaps the only person working. Or like at the 7 a.m. and the 9 p.m. that I've been the first person or the last person to come and leave office. You know, so in that moment, no one, no one gets that. Yeah. But, you know, what you have to understand is you've served that time. Then you have to be very aware of, okay, now is the time when I can risk it. I can have the courage to put some, you know, some nose out there and not like either spoil my reputation or the things I'm known for or my credibility, you know. And so right. it depends on some people. It comes early in your career. Some people it comes later. And mm-hmm. it's fine to know. What is that time? And sometimes it doesn't come and that's fine too. But, you know, you got to know, okay, you know what? It hasn't, I don't have that credibility, but maybe the fact that I say no will, will get you there. Absolutely. It's really interesting your your observation that that ability and that courage, one, it builds up over time. It happens at different times for different people. And then this idea that there also there has to be some level of credibility that, that comes with it. And I, I just appreciate your honesty around that, right? So it's not just like, oh, just start saying no to everything willy-nilly or when you haven't been delivering. It's like, well, you know, your work product ha- has to be there. One thing I am curious maybe to challenge you on or what I'd sort of love to sort of poke at and take a <laughs> a devil's advocate point of view is, do you think it's required to sort of have the the stripes of the late hours, putting in the work, so to speak? Like, do you think that could backfire in some ways too? Because then at what point, like, you know, could your boss be taking advantage of you because you're trying too hard to establish that credibility? I, I'm curious what you think about yeah. that. Like, is, is there a little bit more nuance than just like you must serve the time? No, no. So when I say serve the time, uh, it's more about what is your output and value add. And I know mm. these are overloaded terms, but at the end of the day, if I can deliver value in two hours, okay, and or six hours or five hours or 15 hours, frankly, to me as a leader, and also there have been times where, frankly, as I've grown higher and higher, sometimes the value that I add is in that moment and not at like the 10 hours that I've put it into something, right? And yes. so the reason why I said hours is sometimes your job just gets more complicated and sometimes you just don't get it, right? You know, no, no one, yeah. I, I, I personally value attitude and hard work in terms of just value add more than just pure capability. And I've seen a lot of yes. people being very capable, but not wanting mm-hmm. to put either themselves out there or to put a st- or take a stance or to put the hours, whatever it takes, right? And if you're super smart, fine, you'll get it in two hours. I'm not saying no to it. And, you know, and people like me who are not perhaps the smartest would be like, you know, it'll take me six hours or eight hours or I'll have to do some homework when no one else is watching, right? Just to be more ready for the next day, whatever it takes. 
Right. And so going back to what you asked earlier is last year, I had a big year where there were some um, problems in the product that were going on. And my boss was like, I want you to help me with fixing this problem and without giving too much detail. Right. And it was yes. it was not a fun project. It was not a fun project. What do you mean by why wasn't it fun? I'm just I'm so curious. What do you mean by that? Yeah. For an engineering organization or an engineer or an engineering leader, fun is usually around building a new product, building a technology, yes. <laughs> working on something. That's the most fun. <laughs> yeah, or working on something that you can showcase after it's done to say, you know what, this yes. is something I did. Or I could, you know, I right. can tell my friends about it or I can learn something, you know, like a new language mm. or whatever out of it. This project was grunt work of just fixing some problem that existed. It was nothing new, nothing shiny. I see. No one would even know that it was done. Because you know how (laughs) when quality is not there is when you notice it. And when it's there, it's just there. Yes. I love that. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So it was not some work, but it required me. And I I talk of myself as a cat herder. And it required me to kind of (laughs) just, you know, do the herding day in and day out and if you ask me what did I really do I worked 16 hour days cat herding and (laughs) (laughs) sorry I don't mean to laugh but it's like no that's not fun that's not fun but now it's funny but what happened is after six months we fixed the problem and customers started you know were like you know what it was like a big win Still like the CEO hmm. level where people, I, I went into the CEO's office and I got to present what we did. And he was like, wow, we, I'm not saying that I was the only person who was involved. There were like hundreds of engineers and other leaders involved in it. But I was the face of it who, you know, who was, who was also when others were putting in time, I was putting in time and they're putting in energy and ideas. I was doing that. So that lasted let's say six months. Then after two months, my boss comes and tells me, I want you to do another of those projects. There's this other product that is broken. And you did such an amazing job on that project uh, and that product. I want you to fix this. And I was like, you know what? No, I won't. I said, no, I won't. Wow. I was like, right yeah. now there's an opportunity to do A and there's an opportunity to fix. For the past hmm. year and a half, and there was another project before that that I had done that was similar. I said, I just got out of that project, grant work. You know what? I would like to do something else. You know, I would like to. Yes. And that's where I was like, I served the time. I delivered and this is yes. and it was a big risk. I had to prepare. I can tell you, I have a personal coach and I, I'll keep on talking about this personal coach. And I, you know, literally at some level of, of management, all you get with your manager is 15 minutes a week, right? Between like, hi, right. hello, bye, you know, how are you? How are your day? And, you know, he five minutes late, you're having to leave five minutes early, 15 minutes all you have, right? And in 15 minutes, I had to pitch why I would say no to A, and why I could do B better than anyone else. And it was a hard one. And, you know, it's like the whole concept of crucial conversations, hard conversations. I was about to say, how did you approach this? Please do share for everyone who's listening. Everyone's sort of, I'm sure, perking their ears up going, wait, how did she have this conversation? I'm so intrigued. Yeah, I think a lot of it is every hard meeting that you go into. For me, I always practice about what would success of that meeting look like for me. Right. And so yes. at the end of 20 minutes or 15 minutes or at the end of this podcast, what is success for me? And it could vary from time to time. It could just be like, you know what? For example, I could be very nervous about a meeting just for showing up and not like breaking down and being emotional about right. a topic could be success. Yep. Right. Totally. Or it could be success where there are high stakes of saying, you know, in the, the outcome of this meeting is 
that he should at least start thinking about why I deserve that project. Right? And you have mm. to be realistic about not you should say yes, because knowing if the stakes are high, you can't just tell your boss that, hey, I don't want to do this. But you have to learn that some of these might be like three or four conversations off. But the success right. of that first meeting for me was he should at least not say no. Hmm. Right? I love that. So a very real, a very pragmatic, sort of very tuned in definition of success yeah. is, is key. Yeah. And so if you know, right, and so with my coach, actually, I practiced and I wrote down my talking points. He won't help me with that. Love I it. wrote down my talking points, which were not more than 10 minutes. And as you make five minutes is when my boss will talk, right? So five minutes of talking points is all you get. And to know in that moment, of course, to be able to pivot. But at the end of it, just still knowing what do I want to get out of it. And so that was, that's been like a theme across every single meeting, which is high stakes, a crucial conversation. If whoever has not read that book should, I absolutely believe it's called Crucial Conversation. It's so funny you mentioned that, Ritu. It is literally one of my favorite books yep. of all time. Yep. It's it's indispensable, yep. the framework that they share. And then you tie it with, like, my my absolute favorite author is Simon Sinek. You absolutely tie it with, start with a why. And so if you're leading with a why, and you know you're going into a crucial conversation, and you know what you want out of it as to what success looks like at the end of that crucial conversation. I think that's pretty much what what has helped me. Absolutely. I, I think something that's resonating with me as I was listening was very much the simplicity of it, right? And this idea that, uh, you know, not to get a little meta here, but even in the conversation to say no, you're saying <laughs> no to a lot of things of sort of what you're considering in your in your set of things to consider. It's like, okay, two things, right? It's the definition of success and the real why that, that's, that's driving this. And also then drum roll, I have to ask, how did your boss respond? How did the conversation go? So I had practiced and I, and I had anticipated what he would go after. And so mm-hmm. even before he went after that, I drew it on the board, uh, which was like, I can share it actually. Mm-hmm. Because I thought he would say, you know what, you do not have the skill set or you do not have the experience to do that job, right? Interesting. And to be really honest, that job required my scope to be three times of what it was. In that moment, I was not asking, just asking for a job. Perhaps I was also asking for a promotion, right? Because I you, see. Yep. you know, your responsibility comes, but I was not really worried about the promotion. My why was not the promotion, right? My, right. my why was ah, to, yes. Yeah, it was not, because if you're going after just like, a promotion without the why, it kind of never works out. And so the why that I was going after was, I'm going to help you solve this problem. And I drew why I was the best person to help him succeed. And that no one one can say no to. If I came to you, hey, Claire, let me help you. Yes. Right? Let me help you. And I'm not being dishonest that it helped me too. Right? And then it's a partnership beyond that. It changed the conversation for him. And he said, you know what? Right. Let me think about it. After three call, three meetings after that, I did get that job. Huh. Incredible, Ritu. My God. I'm sure everyone who's, who's listening to this is, is taking notes. I know I, I am, at least mentally. Before that, I do want to underline one thing, is that it was very hard. As in, you know, I'm saying that, yes, it was just like a linear, you know, success curve. Of that <laughs> oh, we just didn't work like that, right? <laughs> step one, step two, step three. <laughs> There were a lot of sleepless nights for the 10-minute conversation. I can personally tell you I would have prepared at least 20 hours. For a 10-minute conversation. Yes. Well, I think to your point, the the stakes are high because the perception and, and 
And, and, and this is what I'm so enjoying about our conversation, that saying no is just so much more complex than just the two letters. Yeah. It's the dynamic that you have with the person you're saying no to. It's understanding, you know, all the potential outcomes and fallout and weird unintended consequences that that happen. Uh, it's understanding even, you know, your boss or the person you're saying no to, their, their sort of their temperament, like how people who are in those positions usually aren't said no to very often. So, you know, navigating that is is difficult. And I think it's tremendous that you, you know, you spent the time and did the diligence to have that conversation. But clearly, clearly it worked out. Yeah. And it works out. I could I could argue it works out at every level. You know, you I met yes. so here is another example, right? I was asked to come to that panel that you and I were part of. I was like, you know, I don't want to do this. It's like time consuming. <laughs> And then uh, there were like five of the requests that I got. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to say no to these and yes to this. And it's okay. And I'm going to take a chance. And sometimes you just need to go with your gut and and look at, you know, you may not have conclusive evidence of what you want to say yes and no to. But you also, that's where I'd like to add the aspect of your gut check. I'm just going with it. And you know what? At that moment, what has also helped me is what is the worst that can happen? Hmm. What is the worst that can happen? I was like, fine, I'm going to say yes to this panel. What is the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. My two hours are going to get wasted. Okay? Right. Fine. In the grand scheme of things, what is the least that I can get out of this? I'll meet like maybe one person and see. I, I met more than one yeah. person. I met more than one person. <laughs> yes. Uh, you are my friend. Yes. And then you asked me that we should do this podcast. And I was like, you know what? Sure. Again, what is the worst that can happen? Right. I so, so appreciate that. I think, Ritu, one thing that some, actually not some, I would say a lot of leaders, especially emerging leaders and new managers will often approach me and tell me is how difficult it is for them to say no to begin with. And, you know, you've talked about sort of using your gut, you've talked about, you know, having a why and sort of, you know, having a clear objective. But for the person who feels like they don't have that leverage, for the person who loves to please, what advice do you have for them for sort of recentering and figuring out and putting, yeah, your foot down for for saying no? What would you say to someone who's like, I just have a really hard time saying no? Like, what, what words do you have for me? I would say that a lot of no's are preceded by a lot of yes ands. So hmm. you have again, I'll keep on going to that. My boss, there are like a thousand yes and, but the and there could be a no built in, right? Right. So for example, if you said, yeah, sure. Or I could say, hey, I won't do this podcast. Okay. Or I yep. could say, yes, I will do this podcast and you know, suppose I wanted a favor out of you or I wanted something out of this or, you know, it could right. be anything, right? <laughs> I said, yes, and uh, you will actually have to smile a lot. I don't know, I'm just making this up, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Or uh, do you want to do this? I'll say, yes, and it's like, you know, it's kind of if you build with what you're trying to say no to. I know it's a little complex here, but kind of making the no a yes for you as to why it could be a yes for you. Making the no a yes for you. I love that. Right. For example, other other examples not related to work. I hate a lot of chores, right? We all hate chores. (laughs) (laughs) And we we don't like a lot of things that we do on weekends that are just like boring stuff or like laundry or groceries, whatever it is. Sure. And even at work, actually, when I have to do something like that, 
I always look for, oh, actually, if I went to the grocery store, I could get my favorite chocolate. Or if I went and did my laundry, I could perhaps, you know, listen to this podcast I've been meaning to listen to while I'm, li- I'm doing laundry. Or that little thing that yes. was totally like a candy or, a star, you know, a gold star that you get for a little like incentive that you built in your nose. Uh, making the no a yes for you. I mean, hey, chocolate does that for me every single mm-hmm. time. Let's let's be real. So can't can't go wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Well, Ritu, I want to be respectful of your time here, but I've been dying to ask a question or just sort of jumping here, just based off your extensive experience, because I think it's it's pretty incredible. I mean, you've been at Salesforce for seven or so years, right? And you know, have risen to this you know immense leadership position. And one of the things, and we t- sort of touched a little bit about this, you know, on the panel, but what what would you sort of attribute to the things that you've done well in sort of navigating, uh, you know, your career development? And then are there other things where you're like, huh, <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that <laughs> now that I know. Or, yeah, I'm just curious what you think is, is sort of attributed to, to your personal leadership success. Uh, there are a couple of things, but as I guess you grow uh, more in your career, people start recognizing you for those things. One is I do not promise anything that I cannot follow through on. So once mm. I, I talk to them, even if it is a little thing, you know, they'll be like, hey, by yes. the way, what about that little pass for this concert? Or what about, or it could be like, what about, you know, can you send an email to that person for me? Little, little things add up, right? Mm. And you get, to, you know, yep. people start knowing that, you know, she follows through. Even if someone is, it's kind of hard though, because how many people do you meet in a day? And literally as you grow higher, there's so many favors that people keep on asking you. At that point, saying, you know what? No, I cannot. Sorry. Okay. And so that's one aspect of it. And the other is hard work. I absolutely cannot. For me, there's just no substitute for it. There is absolutely homework. Hard work is, I cannot even tell you. It's just my thing. Because I know if I if I put in the effort and the right intention to make it possible, even if I fail, it does not matter. Like if even if the outcome of it is not like success for others, it's like, again, you know, going back to defining that success for me. Yes. Right. So the outcome then stops impacting me because for me, having put in my 150% to it was success for me. Right. And then finally, I would just say that at some point you, I, you do get lucky of being at the right place at the right time. And just hmm. recognizing that when you are there, when to step on the gas and just go for it and when to, you know, say, you know what, at this point, I just need to wait and watch and it's okay. Mm, I dig that so much. It's, uh, I think, a real sort of, I don't know, ability to be in tune with just, yeah, how things are going and that they're, you know, the dice isn't going to always roll in your favor and that, yeah, dice are involved. Like luck is is a part of the journey in, in becoming a capable leader. I One thing that I've actually been thinking about recently is actually how much luck plays even in the teammates that you are surrounded by, which influences your ability to be a successful leader. You know, if you inherit a team, for example, and get unlucky and, you know, there's some people you really clash with, that is so much harder than getting pretty lucky. I mean, I feel like luck is actually really involved in hiring. Like when I think of the people that I've hired, I'm like, oh, no, yeah, we did a good job recruiting, but oh, there's a bit of luck there, right? Right. (laughs) mm. Right. On that one, though, I would say there's one thing that I rely on heavily across the board. Yes. What I call as org IQ. So hmm. it's not just EQ. Yeah, tell me more, please. It's not just emotional question, but it's like org IQ. Org IQ being the ability to read a room, the ability to read your interview panel, the ability to mm-hmm. read your manager, the ability to read your peers. 
the non nonverbal cues just you know being right. like a little bit in tune with how do you know what what the temperature of the room is right now and working with it and you have to really be aware of you know your interview panel yeah i'm walking into this interview panel there's this girl who is just like had this off comment and you know you don't want to read too much into it but you know sense sure. you know being tuned to those things has helped me a lot especially as you go higher there are a lot of meetings you'll go into and a lot of things that do not get said but there's a lot happening <laughs> in those interactions exactly i think it's one of the most under underlooked or sorry overlooked rather uh, aspects of of leadership is you know there's actually a lot you know that focuses on as you were saying sort of the emotional uh, ability to to sort of gauge the people around you but i think this the interplay of dynamics the organizational dynamics the dynamics between people that's hard it's hard when we don't pay enough time and attention to it right and you'd be surprised a lot of people who want to be like from senior manager to director that's a big jump from yes. director senior director to vp especially a lot of people do not understand how important it is to be in tune with what what is urgent because no one will tell you beyond a point as to what's important no one will tell you what's on fire no one will tell you as an executive or as a senior leader you need to focus on this you need to know and you hmm. need to be you know you need to be ahead of it to kind of let you be that leader because no no one is telling me anymore that you know you need to do this or that right i totally agree yeah I, so my last, truly last question here, because you said something so interesting and I'm like, I have to ask you this. So, so how do you do that? Right? Like, how do you get ahead? How do you take that temperature? How do you sort of fill in the gaps and give answers before the questions are even asked? Yeah. So here's something that happened to me uh, 10 years ago. Okay. And it's an example. So if you have the time, I'll tell you the story. Uh, we, we have got the time. <laughs> okay. So... people know there was a big sales force outage that happened and uh, it was a service a service disruption and uh, you know there's obviously all the documentation and everything is there it's you know so I'm not going to get into the details of it but it is it was a big deal and mm-hmm. um i had taken that week off and because i hadn't had time to just you know i had a list of uh, literally 200 things that i needed to get done personally you know build a truck called the electrician for this is just like things you never get to right and i totally. had taken the time to just focus on myself i was calling it my sanity week i love right? that yeah and suddenly it was uh this happened on friday saturday comes sunday comes and you know for the life of me i couldn't i just couldn't be home i just couldn't be home and i cancel my pto and i show up to work and my boss is like why did you come into work you were on PTO you should be off i said i think you need me right now and hmm. he did not ask me no one asked me no one asked me yeah right and it turned out to be the best decision i made hmm. and then and this is as real as it gets uh, a week later last friday so my boss and we, and us and lot of executives lot of you know engineering teams were working on the clock done most of it you know figured out on friday 5 pm i he did not call me we had not met we were it's like parallel play we were in parallel calls he going and fighting here me doing the firefighting here my other peers doing firefighting there yes right? no communication like zero communication between my boss and me on friday evening i walk up to his desk and he looks at me and he says hi i was like i think i think we should hug and <laughs> and he was like you know that would be perfect 
And so oh, I gave him wow. a hug. And this is like unprecedented. I've never hugged a boss, right? <laughs> yeah. And he was like, oh my God, this has been like a brutal 10 days. And he had like some personal issues and professional yeah. issues, all like perfect storm going on yeah. in his life. And there have been such defining moments, but this was like a whole different level of defining moment with my boss where I just knew hmm. that he needed me. Yep. You know, and most days what I did was literally, I'm an SVP, right? I go in, I don't have any direct impact of what is going on. All I did was I ordered lunch for the team that was working and just showed up for lunch every day and just talked to them and just calmed them down every single day. And that was all yep. I was doing. And you think that, you know, why did she not go on her PTO for this? And this week, I cannot tell you, people are like, oh my God, that was the best thing you did for us because we were, we had no clue wow. what was going on. We, we were right. like trying, we were, we hadn't eaten forever. You know, we all were working mm. and you were just there off. Or, or at some point, you know, I offered my peer, you know, you need these engineers. I have these five engineers who know this, this, and this. He's like, how did you know that I need help on this, this, and this language? And I was like, you know, I know the problem. I'm just offering help. And he took me up on that. Hmm. Wow. Incredible, Ritu. It's, uh, what a story. I think, I mean, and it's also amazing that this happened 10 days ago, right? So very fresh. What, what I was hearing when you were, when you were sharing was just this power of attention, right? That you're applying like intense attention to people, needs, and emotions, dynamic, like, energy level, right? Uh, understanding and, and so attention. And then the, you know, a second part, which is going to sound really cliche, but and an enormous amount of empathy. So understanding, gosh, okay, for my boss, like he's going through A, B, and C, like, I can't imagine what, what is it that I can do? Or if I'm, you know, for the engineers on the team and they've been working around the clock, okay, what would, what would that feel like? And what can I do in, in my role? So attention and, and empathy, just playing such a, a big part in your ability to, to get out ahead and solve those problems before someone even asks you to solve them. Yeah. And more and more, I think managers and leaders need to understand that less and less is going to explicitly be, will be asked of them. Hmm. You know, as a yes. true leader, the anticipation and caring, just caring enough to, you know, anticipate is a big deal. And, you know, it's like Salesforce is a great, absolute great company to work for, but this is when they needed me. They don't pay me the right. mega bucks to just like, you know, they, I can take time off whenever I want, but this is when they needed me, right? Sure. And every leader, be it a manager, senior manager, director, knows instinctively when they, they're needed. If they paid right, attention. the moment of crisis. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or if, if it's not even crisis. And they were like, managers right. in my team, you know, I, I have 30 managers reporting into my organization. And I was like, hey, you know, I need a person to help me. The five people who raised their hand, only one of them did not ask what was the help needed. He was just like, I will help. I will help. Right. <laughs> and because at that time, no one knew what help was required. You're an engineering right. manager. You should be able to jump on, you know, it was not like totally out of, you know, like, totally rocket science that I was asking him to work on. And you know what? Sure. That guy is, he does not know this, but he is priceless to me now. Hmm. Priceless. There you go. I'm just so, so, I, I don't even know what the right word is, marinating, I guess, in all the wisdom that you have shared with me, Ritu, and for everyone who's listening and watching, uh, it's been completely invaluable. Thank you so much for sharing everything from how and why someone should say no to 
being a leader who anticipates and pays attention and solves those problems before people even ask. So thank you so much. It's truly been, yeah, inspirational to talk to you. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. Of course. Thank you so much, Claire. Pleasure. Thank you.